Psalm 120. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Uh, there's a few technical problems happening up the front here. Let's uh, pray about that. <laughs> so, we'll, uh, we have God's word. Uh, never mind whether we have a um, projector or not. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord of mercy and grace, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we pray that whatever technical problems are happening will be speedily resolved. But as we come before your word and before your throne this morning, Help us, Lord, to settle our hearts and minds. Uh, we want to hear you speak to us. We pray that you'd do that now through these tremendous and wonderful passages of Scripture. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we go. When you get in trouble... How are you at asking for help? How long does it take you before you finally admit that maybe you can't get this thing done by yourself? I think if we examine our own hearts, we can often be very, very stubborn, trusting in ourselves, trying to find our own solutions, grumbling when others can't help us in the way that we want, and finding ourselves going around and around in circles until eventually we realise that the answer lies not in our strength, but in one greater than us. 
My help comes from the Lord. What about you? Today's two psalms, Psalm 120 and Psalm 121, belong to a collection of 15 psalms that have been grouped together in your Bible and are called Songs of Ascent. Songs of Ascent. If you look in your Bible, and it is good to have your Bible open. I know uh, we sort of get into the habit of using the screen, but it really is good to have your Bible open so you can test what I'm saying, whether it's true or not. But in your Bible, you'll see that every psalm from Psalm 120 through to a heart, Psalm 134 has been given the title, A Song of Ascents, A Song of Ascents. It's at the top of each psalm, and it's actually part of God's word. Verse 1 in the Hebrew starts with the superscription of the psalm. So the first words of Psalm 120 are, A Song of Ascents, and the first words of Psalm 121 are, A Psalm of Ascents. It's actually part of the scriptures, part of God's word, that this superscription is there. Now, this word ascent, what does it mean? A going up, yes. Well, it could also mean a step or a stair. Same word, a step or a stair, an ascent. So what we have here is kind of like a musical stairway with 15 steps. It's a stairway that you climb by singing each of these 15 psalms, one after another. Does that make sense? These 15 songs or psalms that were sent are like a musical stairway. Each psalm from Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134 has been arranged in such a way as to lead you up the hill of the Lord all the way to Zion, the city of our God. And the journey begins here in Psalm 120. Today we're just looking at the first two psalms. The first psalm of ascent is a really, it's a psalm of longing. That's my description. It's a psalm of longing. The psalmist longs to be at home with the Lord. It says in verse 6, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. We were praying this morning about the world and the troubles in it and the wars and the things that are going on. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. Basically, he longs to be at home with the Lord. And then, the next psalm, Psalm 121, I learnt from Neville, it's uh, the song uh, that MTI uses as their mission song, but we catch a glimpse of home in Psalm 121 and we receive this wonderful assurance that the Lord himself will be our guardian and our guide. That's a wonderful promise. The Lord himself will be our guardian and our guide and he will lead us safely home. So I'm going to look at these two psalms together this morning, Psalm 120, Psalm 121. Next week we've got a guest speaker, James Jeffrey is going to talk to us next week about Psalm 122. Uh, the, the psalmist actually then in Psalm 122, if you look at verse 1, is joining with others who want to go home to Zion. Verse 1 says in Psalm 122, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So there's a, an, a gathering in of like-minded uh, um, pilgrims on this journey. And then the week after that, we're going to take two more steps, uh, Psalm 123, Psalm 124, which are songs of encouragement and faith in the Lord. And as you sing these songs of ascent then, you'll climb up higher and higher until at last you reach Zion, the city of our God, where the people are praising the Lord with joyful hearts in the sanctuary. Now, Psalm 134, the last of the songs of ascent, only three verses long, so I thought I'd show it to you now. The last song of ascent brings you inside God's holy temple. So Psalm 134, a song of ascents. Here it is. 
Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. And so that's the culmination, that's the climax of these 15 songs of ascent. So today, today then, I want you to imagine that you're about to become a pilgrim on a journey. You're going to climb the stairs. You're going to climb the stairs. But as of now, you're still living in a place of exile. You are not home. You are not home and you're feeling miserable because the problems of your life are mounting up and you're feeling distressed before the Lord. You're not home and you're feeling distressed. Woe is me, you cry out in verse 5. I've had enough of lying lips and deceitful tongues. I detest the hateful habits of hurtful people who love violence and war. I want to go home. I want to be the Lord, with the Lord in his peace and his presence. Okay, so that's, that's your prayer as you cry out to the Lord today. Well, the Lord bless you from Zion. Well, you can stay down here in Psalm 120 at the bottom of the stairway if you want, but I'm going to climb these 15 steps up to Psalm 134 from the valley of despair up to the mountain of the Lord. And this is a journey of faith that every believer takes. In fact, I want to suggest to you these 15 songs or psalms of ascent are really the gospel in a form uh, set out for us in the Old Testament way, but it's the gospel, these 15 songs of ascent. No one knows for sure when these songs were written, but they seem to have been collected during the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. Some of them may have been written further in the past, like by David and Solomon. Others seem to have been written much nearer to the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, and they've been collected together, this set of 15 songs. One possible date when this happened is around 445 BC. At that time, there was a major feast that was held to celebrate the completion of the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. And at that time, for seven days, Ezra the scribe read the law of the Lord to the people from morning to evening. The law of the Lord was read to the people from morning to evening. And then on the eighth day, there was a covenant renewal ceremony held in Jerusalem. And this may well have been the moment when these 15 psalms were first sung together in their current form as 15 songs of ascent. So then, here's the scene as we start today. You are now standing at the bottom of a musical stairway, which is setting out the gospel which you can learn the gospel by climbing these 15 steps. You are a pilgrim on a gospel journey, okay? That's who you are this morning. But today you're just beginning the journey. You're at the bottom of the stairway. So my first point is called the journey begins. Okay, the journey begins. In Psalm 120, we're still down in the valley of distress, crying out to God for deliverance from the midst of all our troubles in this weary world. Look at verse 1. Psalm 120, verse 1. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. He cries out to the Lord in his distress, and the Lord answers him. Now, this first psalm of ascent begins with a personal crisis, a personal crisis. It's the prayer of an individual believer whose life is miserable because 
Well, his enemies are spreading false rumours about him and it is a world of pain because he knows that this action of his enemies is malicious. It's designed to hurt him. What they're saying is untrue, but they go ahead and say it anyway. And that's wickedness. By the way, if you've ever been the target of slander like this, then you'll know how terrible it is. It can be very, very distressing. It was interesting being uh, in the news last year over the uh, stuff that happened at the uh, school, Scott School, Scott College, and suddenly um, everybody's got something to say about you, whether it's true or not. But in such times, you know, you can't control what people say and think, can you? You can't control that. But you can always pray for God's help, asking him to expose the lies and to silence the tongues of your accusers. You can always pray to God. If we come into the New Testament just for a moment, James warns us, doesn't he, about the power of the tongue. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. And James says, my brothers, this should not be. It shouldn't be like this. It's not right that you can praise God one moment and then the next you can cut people down and pierce their hearts with hateful words. Consider for a moment how deeply it must grieve God when we use our tongues in this way to slander, to lie, to utter words of hatred instead of turning it into praise. We do need to be careful of how we speak, what we say. We need to guard our tongues. Now, this kind of bad behaviour of sledging and slandering and swearing and just using the tongue in ungodly ways comes not from the Spirit of the Lord, does it? But it comes from the Father of lies, the accuser of God's people, who hates us just as much as he hates the psalmist in our passage today. I think there is definitely an element of satanic attack in this awful abuse from lying lips and deceitful tongues in verse 2. But... God, our God, is powerful to save. And who knows but that he may actually turn your unhappy experience into an opportunity for grace. God can turn things around like that, can't he? Perhaps you've got personal experience of that. He turns the, the crisis into a, a blessing. Again, when I think of what happened with the Scots College uh, incident, the number of uh, people who spoke words of encouragement and who were encouraged because of what happened. Uh, it's, It's very uplifting. In our passage today, we see how God actually turns the unhappy experience of the psalmist into an opportunity for grace. It's precisely actually the lips of these accusers that brings the psalmist to the Lord in prayer. Remember verse 1, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Well, it was the distress that was caused that caused him to call out to the Lord and then it's turned into an opportunity for grace, an answered prayer. And then in verse 3, if you carry on, you'll see there's, there's a growing assurance of faith now, having experienced this answered prayer. This growing confidence in the Lord uh, progresses through the psalms having experienced the joy of this answered prayer, the psalmist now turns around and speaks a word directly to his accusers. This is is a word of warning. Their attempts to silence him have failed. 
Instead, he has a word for them that unless they repent and seek forgiveness, they will face the heat of God's righteous wrath. They have God to explain their behavior to. So in verse 3, look at what he says. He says to them, what will he, that is, what will the Lord do to you? And what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. This is the punishment that awaits those who use their tongues to lie and deceive in the spirit of Satan. They may shoot their arrows at us today, but the Lord will judge them for it. He will pierce them through with the sharp arrows of his righteous judgment. In the same way, the burning coals of the broom tree are a picture of intense judgment. Some fires heat up and die out quickly, but the wood of the broom tree burns for a long time. It is a dense wood. Its coals retain their heat. Its fire is not easily put out. So again, you see, it's a warning to the wicked about the fires of hell. What will he do to you? And what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. It's a warning to the wicked. Perhaps one that we individually need to take note of today, that we should guard our tongues also. In the light of this warning, the psalmist realises something. What does he realise? He realises that he needs to move away from these evildoers and choose his friends better. Verse 5. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Meshech and Kedar are both places that are outside of Israel. Okay, they're not within the borders of Israel. One of them is actually quite a long way away. It's like the psalmist wakes up after these events and says to himself, I want to go home. What on earth am I doing here, living among the wicked? Why have I chosen my friends so badly? I want to know the peace and the presence of the Lord in my life. I'm not staying here a moment longer. It's time for me to take my first step in this spiritual journey up to my father's house in Zion. Some of you will know the book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Who's read Pilgrim's Progress? Okay, who's going to read Pilgrim's Progress this year? (laughs) You should read Pilgrim's Progress if you haven't. It's the gospel in a parable form, in a similitude uh, so so described. Their main character is is a guy called Christian and he makes this journey up from the old city of destruction to his new home in the celestial city. And along the way, he has to deal with all kinds of enemies like fear and doubt and double-mindedness and, yes, the deceptive lies of the devil. Well, the 15 songs of ascent are taking us on that same journey. It's the journey of faith that brings every true believer safely home. It's the same journey, the pilgrim's journey. And I'd like to read to you now just a, a few words from Pilgrim's Progress at the very peak of the story, the the climax of the whole story, the passage where the devil is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the testimony of Jesus. It's a great passage. Listen to this. Then Apollyon the devil, seeing his opportunity, began to gather up close to Christian and wrestling with him gave him a dreadful fall and with that Christian sword flew out of his hand. 
Then Apollyon said, I'm sure of thee now. And with that, he'd almost pressed him to death so that Christian began to despair of life. But as God would have it, while Apollyon was fetching of his last blow, thereby to make a full end of that good man, Christian nimbly reached out his hand for his sword and caught it, saying, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And it reminds me of Psalm 120. I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. And with that, Christian gave him a deadly thrust which made him give back as one that has received a mortal wound. Christian, perceiving his advantage, made at him again, saying, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And with that, Apollyon spread forth his dragon's wings and sped away so that Christian saw him no more. That's a wonderful, wonderful word, a description of the journey of faith. It's the victory of faith and the hope of every believer, just like in our two Psalms today. We know that Satan is actively making war against us, but Jesus, the man of peace, will save us from our distress. So now I want to move on to the second psalm, Psalm 121. Because in Old Testament terms, what we're being asked to do here is to turn our eyes toward Jesus. We're being asked to turn our eyes toward Jesus. The psalmist says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So this is my second point for today. Lift up your eyes to the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the Lord. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, in the uh, King James Version, it uh, doesn't turn the first verse into a question. It says, my, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence my help comes. But I think the NIV actually has the better translation at this point. Uh, we're looking to the hills, but we're looking beyond the hills. It's really important when we read Psalm 121 that we understand the impact of this verse, verse 1. Like I said, the psalmist is saying, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? And it's, it's true, uh, when Jewish pilgrims made their ascent up the hill, Jerusalem's at the top of the hill, they naturally looked up to the hills because that's where Jerusalem is. That's where the temple of the Lord is. But then the hills themselves are not the final destination for faith. Where does my help come from? Not from the hills. Not from the hills. Perhaps in the past, this pilgrim was influenced by the spiritual powers of the world, or perhaps he knew that many of his fellow travellers were prone to worship the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything else in between. Many Israelites did that. In fact, even King Solomon, who was badly influenced by his pagan wives. So in verse 6, so we'll look at a little later, but the sun and the moon are described here as elemental forces that have the power to affect your life. So you can get sunstroke if you stay in the sun too long. And the word lunatic, which we have in English, suggests that the moon can affect your sanity. And nature worship is as old as the hills. Nature worship is as old as the hills. But no more for the psalmist, for our pilgrim. In Psalm 121, he's saying, My help does not come from the hills. This world cannot save me. No, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, of all things seen and unseen. 
So lift up your eyes today. But if you look to the hills, look beyond the hills. Don't stop at the hills. Lift them to the Lord Almighty from whom your salvation comes. He is my saviour, my stronghold and my strength. And now in verses 3 to 6, he promises to be my guardian and my guide, to walk with me and talk with me along life's winding way. Verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Those elemental forces cannot harm you when you are under the Lord's protection. Psalm 121 is sometimes called the traveller's psalm, the traveller's psalm, because it invites us to put our confidence in God wherever he leads us and wherever we go. The traveller's psalm. In this world, we must travel the highways and the byways of life, often in danger, often in strife, perplexed by what's going on around us. But through it all, we know that every step we take will bring us closer to our heavenly home if Jesus is our guardian and our guide. If we're following the Lord, we will not go astray. Personally, I love the promises of verses 3 and 4. Let me read them again. He will not let your foot slip. You're walking on that path. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, the church, will neither slumber nor sleep. That's very comforting, isn't it? I have a friend in Jesus who will never leave me nor forsake me. If I'm left to myself, I will quickly slip, stumble and fall. So will you. We're prone to stumble, prone to fall. But with Jesus as your strength and your shield, with Jesus as your guardian and your guide, you will not slip and stumble so that you cannot get up again. He will not let your foot slip. The Lord is my keeper, so help me God. And by grace, he will lead me safely home. He'll lead you home as well when you follow him. So we come to the final part of our passage today where all these great promises are wrapped up together as if to say, let the journey begin. Let's get started. This is the way I want to go. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So step out in faith. Let the journey begin. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a song called We're Marching on to Zion. It's an old hymn that brings all these songs of ascent to life. The first verse of this hymn that we'll sing in a moment goes like this. I've condensed it a little, but it says, Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. We're marching on to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. So let your hearts be filled today with the joy of your salvation, knowing that your destination in Christ is assured. For indeed, the Lord will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now 
and forevermore. Finally, uh, one of the great things about being part of a church is that we can all take this journey together. Yes, each of us must come to Christ individually, but the journey we share. We walk together. No one needs to travel alone in the Christian life, the life of faith. The songs of ascent are for all believers in every age. They're for us today as God's people, as God's children. So I assume today that most of you have already taken your first step in the Christian life. That's why you're here. The journey has begun, and for you, the advice today is very simple. Just keep walking. Take another step. Refresh yourself in the Lord. Climb the stairs. Climb them again. These songs in Jewish uh, practice in the Old Testament times were sung three times a year uh, at three great festivals. Reminders of what is effectively the great promises of the gospel. So if you're a Christian already, just keep walking. Enjoy the privilege and share it with others. But what if that's not you today? What if you're here in this building, you're here at church because God has placed it on your heart and for some extraordinary reason you responded to that prompting and you've come here and you've sat down but you know that you're not a Christian yet. What if that's you? What if you've been through a crisis and you need a saviour to help you in your distress? Am I speaking to you this morning? Well, then you've come to the right place because God's word is especially for you this morning. As the psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord. This is the answer that you are seeking. My help comes from the Lord and he will certainly help you if you are willing. What you need to do first is to acknowledge your need for a saviour and call out to him in your distress, just like the psalmist does. That's what Psalm 120 is all about. Then lift up your eyes to the Lord, accepting Jesus as your guardian and your guide, who will walk with you through all of life's journey. That's what Psalm 121 is about. And then let the journey begin. Just keep walking. Join the crew, (laughs) the pilgrim journey. Come and join. Be part of the journey together. The 15 songs of ascent are meant to keep us on the narrow path that leads to life, remembering that our help comes from the Lord. Our help doesn't come from the hills or from the things of this world. It doesn't come from the sun or the moon or the stars or from any idol, whether natural or man-made, but our help comes only from God himself, who is the maker of all things. So let's sing these songs of ascent today in praise of God's faithfulness, protection and care. Let's join the journey to Zion with Jesus as our guardian and our guide. For as another song says, we are pilgrims on a journey, we are brothers on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. Brother, let me be your servant, let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. Now here's a quick recap of the main points that we've been through today. Basically, the idea behind the 15 songs of ascent is that life is a journey and those who trust in the Lord as their guardian and guide will never lose their way home. If you're following Jesus, you are guaranteed to arrive. In other words, it's all about the gospel. It's the gospel in Old Testament form, but it's very clearly presented. The 15 songs of ascent are like a musical stairway. Sing these songs and you'll be singing yourself the gospel 
as you climb higher and higher until at last you reach Zion, the city of our God, where the people praise the Lord with joyful hearts in the holy sanctuary. But today the journey is just begun. Today we've been longing for home and looking to Jesus, right? Longing for home, looking to Jesus. First, we've been longing for home because we live in a broken world and it hurts. Whether it's lying lips and deceitful tongues like was experienced in Psalm 120 or whether it's something else, the problems of this world do not go away. Our world is broken and we with it. It's broken by sin and we cannot fix it ourselves. We are caught up in that brokenness. And so when we face a crisis, we need to look for grace. We need to pray like the psalmist prayed, save me, O Lord, save me. For God is powerful to save. He can bring good out of evil. Who knows but that he will turn your present suffering into an opportunity for grace. So always look for grace in a crisis because you'll find it's the only way out. It's the only way out because God's judgment is real. He will not let the wicked escape. Take the warnings of hell seriously. You yourself cannot escape. You need God's grace to rescue you. And then secondly, we've been looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus for when we hear the gospel, when our hearts are filled with that newfound hope, we find peace and assurance with God. You know, even in the valley of despair where we can feel very alone, God promises to be near to all who turn to him in faith and who seek his salvation for their lives. If you need to do that today, you can do it. Come and speak to me after the service. Turn your life, turn your lives and your your heart and your, your eyes to Jesus. In fact, lift up your eyes to the Lord and receive Jesus as your guardian and your guide. Follow him wherever he leads. For those who have Jesus as their guardian and guide will never lose their way home. In conclusion, we are pilgrims on a journey. So let the journey begin and let it continue. May we sing the great songs of salvation as the saints of old have taught us to do. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. We're marching on to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful word of encouragement today. I pray particularly for any who have come to church because you placed it on their heart to be here and that you are speaking to them. May it be, Lord, that out of the depth of despair you would lift them up by the grace that you alone can pour out, that you would enable them to trust in Jesus as their guardian and their guide, that they might join us on this wonderful journey to the city of God, the beautiful city of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.